Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Welcome in. It's Balloon Party, driven by Monkadass St. Louis Ack here on Alton Toyota. 101 ESPN, Tim McKernan, Matt Rocchio in for Action Jackson. Uh, I know the audience wants to know, has Jackson been terminated for suggesting that the best one-two punch in the NHL is <laughs> Nathan McKinnon and Bears tight end Cole Capet? <laughs> or are you just filling in for him? I believe I'm just filling in for him. Because, but you feel like this might be an audition. Well, yes, I, I definitely Sometimes think this could be an audition. Sometimes they do that in radio. Yeah, just like, see. oh, he's going to be on. Let's just let's see what we can see how this... I like to criticize sometimes the, the previous generation for instilling in me never taking vacation, but... Oh, because you never want to leave the door open. That was that was wow. that was settled into me by a previous generation of oh it just and, and so can't wait till the commercial break to find out who the, who told you that <laughs> and who so, destroyed your psyche <laughs> and so but I don't know <laughs> did they set me up for this business in a good way yeah intriguing well Jackson took vacation today and maybe Matt will uh, Wally pip his ass well, I'm coming right after him with here we one. go <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen welcome in Matt Rocchio filling in for Jackson Jackson's off today be back on Monday to talk more Cole Komet and the Avalanche. <laughs> But today, we have the Little Piddles Angry Beaver Friday Six Shooter, and Matt, you put it together. Yes, I did. I have gone out of my way to not really talk too much golf, but the Ryder Cup, I feel, Ryder Cup and maybe Masters and the Majors, and the United States lost all four matches, which does not happen all that often, uh, early on, and they were getting smoked in the second set of four matches uh, in the afternoon in Rome. And as I watch, and Matt Rocchio has dangerously put the Ryder Cup on above him. So if you're watching on YouTube, uh, that's not me looking up at Matt because of the height discrepancy. It's me looking up at the television. As the United States has mounted a Sunday charge on the back nine and now leads in three of four matches. And so what looked like at one point a chance for Europe to go up 8-0 or 7-1, uh, it could very well end 5-3 uh, for the United States, uh, winning 3 of 4 this uh, this afternoon in Rome. They are on the back nine and wrapping things up, and it is an opportunity for the United States to really seize momentum after this thing looked like it was going to get away from them. Uh, Zach Johnson, the captain, uh, got a lot of criticism for some of his picks, one of which was Justin Thomas, but Justin Thomas is actually leading his match, the four ball matches that are going on right now. So uh, there is that's as much, that's as much I'm going to say about it. I just it's on. I know I'm going to be focused on it, even when you're asking me questions. Uh, but there it is. I was, I, I was going to ask. I mean, I saw your tweet at three thirty this morning. Very angry at Zach Johnson about his, about his pairing picks. So I, I know I the last time I tweeted an opinion was I've basically retired from social media. What? Oh yeah, exposure. No, nah, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> I'm good on Fine. that. Justin Thomas just missed a four-footer right after I talked oh, about it. Might not even have been four feet. Uh, Matt, uh, what do we have here on this Friday? Little Piddles, Angry Beaver, six-shooter. A Friday tradition unlike any other. Let's spin the chamber for the Little Piddles Friday six-shooter. Presented by the Angry Beaver, a couple of blocks south of Bush Stadium. Mention Piddles for $5 off any pizza. Question one. 
Well, you know, I thought 314 on the text line actually put this perfectly. Finally, some expert NBA takes ahead, of, ahead, oh, ahead wow. for us this hour. And so I thought, He's not you know, even here, and you're dunking on him. It was apropos of nothing. I'm going to go make sure that text was actually sent in. It was in. actually sent in. All right. <laughs> I'm not making it up. making up text. But I had to open up with some real NBA talk, obviously, with Jackson out of the building. And an ode to him, not a shot. It's an ode. Tim, it's an ode to Jackson. It's a a homage, a tribute, if you will. And that is, of course, the big trade going on in Milwaukee. I know you guys talked about it a little yesterday. Oh, my God, you're really doing this. I want to go with the bit. I want to take the business side look at it, which which is always a little little sports business journal here on a Friday six year. And just that because the NBA has had a big problem for the last 15, 20 years, maybe even longer, with getting their big name players to stay in the mid markets. Okay, all right. I didn't know where you going. And here's right, my thing. I agree with the premise. There's a lot of new money up in, uh, up it with Milwaukee Bucks. So, this is a team that went into the luxury tax for the first year when they won the championship in 21. They've been in the luxury tax for the last 3 years. They are going to be right now at least for the next 3 years. Big tax bills coming. So, is this a good sign for the NBA going forward, or is this just a situation kind of like the Padres in baseball where this is new money putting it out in front, and because they won a championship, they're more comfortable with just backing up money that maybe isn't coming in the doors? Uh, I would say that this is a safer thing than what the Padres did. My thought, and I could be off the mark on this, and, and maybe it's been documented in San Diego, is the Padres go, this is our time. The Chargers have been moved out of the market. We can seize this entire market, which obviously has plenty of money because you have a lot of have to have a lot of money to live there, and bring them a championship. And they went all out. And I and maybe I'll be off the mark on this, but I just think they are going to be uh, a mess over the next five years, uh, climbing out from under this. So the Bucks and the NBA's infrastructure with regards to revenue is a different set of circumstances. So I would think that the Bucks will be. Just fine. And I think any fan base, I'd be curious what the vibe is in San Diego. Because the reason why there's so much angst in St. Louis, I think, is because Cardinal fans, this is my, my thesis, is Cardinal fans feel like they've been taken for granted by the Cardinals. That That is at the core of the issue. So I can't imagine that people are angry with ownership in San Diego. I mean, they went all out. It didn't work out. But they did get to the NLCS last year. Only one team can win. I think it's a fan base where you feel like you may be taken for granted that's going to have more anger. And so I think that's why you have what you have in St. Louis, even though the Cardinals aren't stuck like the Padres may in fact be stuck. So I think organizations who go all out aggressively are appreciated by fans more so than ones that try to you know, sneak in to a bad divisions championship. Yeah, and I tell you what, Milwaukee should just have every piece of goodwill. You know, this is an incredible move. I've rarely seen a franchise be so pointedly, you know, just go at their target like this. They sacrificed... All seven years of control of the draft picks. That's in the NBA. That's the that's the window you get to trade draft picks, and then after that you can't anymore. They've traded every single one of their first round picks in that seven year window. And like I said, they've already hit, hit tax bills of sixty, eighty three, and fifty million in the last three years. And so when you talk about buy in, and obviously I think in this city when you hear buy in from ownership, it hits your ears a little bit differently. When you talk about buy in from the owners, I just love what we're seeing from from Milwaukee. And I don't necessarily think it's going to change. I don't think it, a, a new owner with new money is going to be able to come in. And maybe do this in a place like Oklahoma City. Still, I think that's still a. I think there's tears when we talk about the mid markets, and there's a separation there between Milwaukee and Oklahoma City. But nonetheless, seeing a team that 
for so often in their situation said, okay, we got our four or five years of, of the rookie. Now he gets to go chase money in New York, Miami, or L.A., and we just have to right. move on to the next one. It's great to see it from the Milwaukee Bucks. And again, if it's not sustainable, that's fine. They went for it, and they're going to be paying a huge tax bill, and I like seeing that from ownership. I, I love what we saw from the Padres, too. Even if it didn't Yeah, that's, that's the thing. You can't be, I mean, I understand that when it's all said and done, it is results-oriented, but if, if my obligation uh, when, when hosting shows is to analyze the the process in addition to the results and the thing that makes the cardinal situation in 2023 so infuriating i think for a large portion of the fan base is people were saying the pitching staff is not good enough leading into the season and people were also confused by the idea that jack flaherty was the key going based on what based on you know seven weeks in 2019 that that's a long time ago and so then you just have a year with Nolan Arnato and Paul Goldschmidt. It's not like they're here forever. And you just kind of waste it. That pisses people off. That's why the next few months for the Cardinals are going to be absolutely critical. And the most intriguing offseason I've seen for the organization in my lifetime. So, uh, you know, we were talking about best offseasons for organizations and worst offseasons for organizations yesterday or two days ago. Uh, certainly the 98 to 99 Rams, the 99 to 2000 Cardinals, and the 2018 for the 2019 Stanley Cup Blues are three signature off seasons. As far as importance goes, can the Cardinals even come close to matching what they have done in the past? But years ago with an offseason to reshape a team, we will find out here over the next three months. All right, it's 10-15. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. You are always welcome to participate in the show by texting in the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646 or using the 101 ESPN app to leave a mic drop. Matt Rocchio is filling in for a man known as Piddles, uh, who uh, likes Cole Komet playing with Nathan McKinnon. In Denver. We will take a commercial break, come back with our second segment here on Balloon Party, driven by Mungana, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN and on YouTube. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Well, within the last three seconds, John Rahm has chipped in from just off the green to even the match. With Brooks Kepka and Scotty Scheffler, Matt, uh, just off the the left side of the green, I would say maybe about 19 and a half yards, chipping from the rough, and it just trundles right in off the flagstick. Rom is pumping up the gallery in Rome, and this thing is now all square, as is Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth against Victor Hovland, who just missed a putt on 17. Thomas may have a putt to give the United States a one-up lead heading to 18. We will keep you abreast. But in the meantime, welcome back to the Little Piddles Angry Beaver six-shooter. And uh, Matt Rocky was filling in for Piddles today. Question two. You mind if I look forward a little bit? Yeah, because this, I enjoy that. The, the, you can uh, do anything with the six shooter. This, I know you like to kind of look forward at, at dates when they kind of line up across sports and when no. it's going to be a big day in St. Louis. So I got two for you here. Well, what do we got? I like this. Well, we got a little three piece because Thursday. Coming up in November, obviously Thursday you have Thanksgiving. The mm-hmm. next day, mm-hmm. Mizzou plays Arkansas, mm-hmm. and the schedule could put it that a St. Louis city. Hosting the semifinals oh, would be the wow. next day. So it could be three days in a row, Thanksgiving, Mizzou, Arkansas, and then a semifinals game at City Park. They've got to win. They gotta win maybe one more game after they gotta win against uh Sporting KC and they gotta get one more point. And that will give them the West. They'll give them the West and therefore um home field advantage through the conference finals. Right. 
So right there. And then there's a second one because on December 9th, mm-hmm. do you know who Mizzou is playing in basketball? Uh, well, I know they're playing Alabama in the SEC championship, but okay. uh, they're playing... God, I do know this. That's and- Mizzou KU. In December 9th? So Missouri, Alabama against Saban for the SEC championship, uh-huh. and then Dennis Gates... Mizzou KU? And Bill Self. And... That's the day of the MLS Cup. That's right. We were talking about that. <laughs> so, some potential little so three Army, pieces Navy, there. Heisman Trophy. Oh, you know, Missouri and Alabama would be on December 2nd. Justin Thomas missed his putt off to the right, and it will be all square heading to the 18th. But you could have Mizzou KU facing off, and, and then later on in the day, the MLS Cup with uh, City probably away, but potentially at home. Yeah, sure. Could because be anybody, but, Cincinnati's yeah. the the leader overall. But the you know, one. they got a, they got a, hey, who knows if they get there? Who so, knows if City gets there? But at least they got a chance. My reaction to you. Uh huh. I take questions. What's the what's the energy around St. Louis going into th- that Thanksgiving if City is f- hosting a semifinal game on that Saturday? It's a nice question because obviously we don't have a precedent for it. No. I am anxious to see what happens for the people who will say either I don't care about it or I would like to get into it, but I haven't gotten into it if they are a win away from playing for uh, the MLS Cup. And then theoretically, if the MLS Cup could be here on December 9th, if how many more people would get to it? I mean, hey, listen, they're not having a problem with attendance at all, but I would be curious if that were to have I feel like maybe it was Doug uh, Vaughn on TMA. Uh, who said, you know, kind of reminds him of the Blues out of the gate. I mean, you got to go back. It, it predates us, yeah. but their first three seasons going to the Cup final. Um, and my guess is, I don't know, I'm sure some of you listening can can speak to this, or maybe you can recall your parents becoming Blues fans because of that, and it's been passed down from generation to generation. I, I would imagine anybody who's had a chance to go to City Park and experience that atmosphere enjoyed it. I'm sure some people might not like standing um you know certainly if you enjoyed the atmosphere at rams games and the knitting circle that went on in the lower bowl it might not be for you i feel the need to clip off you making those jokes and like carry it around with me on my phone because when i've made references to that both to people some people in st louis and a lot of people outside of st louis they look at me like i am making up a story like that went on and it went on text in i know a lot of you know this happened it's it's it did it it happened all it happened when they were bad still i was not old enough to be in the stadium a lot when they were good so i was only there when they were bad blew me away i would talk about it on the radio and people go, oh, you know, that that goes on in stadiums all over the place. I'm like, I go on the road with this team to New York and Foxborough and Philadelphia and D.C. And I can't imagine somebody saying to somebody in the lower bowl at one of those teams games, sit down, you know, but that was just accepted. So, it was, you know, just kind of the way it was. And that was part of the deal. You got to got to don't pay it off. So you sell PSLs and away we go. Uh, so anyway, um, the atmosphere is uh, one that you know, has people loving going to those games anyway. And then you put playoffs, you know, and it's the first round is best of three. Mm-hmm. But then after that, it's a one game. So everything's on the line. It's a game seven after everything that started way back when and a chance to do that, man, that's, that's what it's all about. So, yeah, I'm anxious to see what it does with the, like, you already know the hardcore fans are all over it, but what will the, the people who aren't paying much attention to it or consider them casual fans if they are in a spot where they're making a run? 
um, if they would get on board, and then the impact that has years going forward. And one one of the hypothetical yeah sure I'm let, taking let's, let's say let's say City does make it to the MLS Cup, and let's say they're playing at home and it's not Cincy uh, coming from the East. So I got a ticket for I got a ticket in the one hundreds for Mizzou KU. I got a tickets in the one hundreds for the MLS Cup. I know some wow. people out there aren't big soccer fans, wow, but wow, the wow. idea even if you're not a big soccer fan, the idea of being in a St. Louis stadium when a St. Louis team clinches a championship. Add in the, the fact that it would then be an expansion team doing it in their first ever year. I don't know how people are taking I, I I love Mizzou KU. I would die for those tickets. That's the one time where I'm saying, you know what? I'll catch Rock Chalk, Jayhawk, and Mizzou another time. The thing is, I think it's it, yeah, the, the, the person you'd have to ask, and Jackson wouldn't fall into this category because he's hardcore Missouri basketball, but he's not also hardcore city fan. So you have to talk to somebody who's both a hardcore Missouri fan and a hardcore city fan, because otherwise it just simply comes down to your your prep. Like if you went to Illinois or if you're from the Metro East and have yeah. zero interest in Missouri, you're like, I don't care anyway. Who gives a damn? You know, it's like when Illinois is playing a game, I don't really care. So along those lines, if you have, I'd be curious what somebody would say on that, because that really would put the person to the test. Do they, are they going at the same time or is one in the afternoon and one? The, I cannot, Cup, I think is it night? It's at night. I, I can't find an actual like time for the broadcast of the MLS Cup. I'm just getting a date right now. Yeah. So I, I can't find I know a it's time the for it yet. So it, 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 yeah, I'm guessing it'll be around like 630. Yeah, I, uh, that, that would be God, I don't know. If you that's the thing. I'm like trying to put myself in in what would be I don't even know what situation you could have because thing. all the champ like the Blues are going to be playing for the cup if that's happening in June. The Cardinals are playing for the World Series in October. And my big thing is is Missouri football. So I don't know. I, hey man, though I'm telling you this, the the Alan Craig uh interference game, Will Middlebrooks uh Missouri lost to South Carolina that night in the season they won the SEC East. And I remember going to bed and I was kind of like, holy crap, I'm going to bed and I'm not on a high the night the Cardinals took a 2-1 lead in the World Series. And that's because I was upset Missouri blew that game in overtime. So, you know, I can kind of speak to it then. But again, that was a regular season game. And, uh, you know, all this Kansas game's a regular season game. And it's college basketball where regular season games have, like, such little impact on the eventual champion, more so than any other sport. Uh, all right, we, uh, oh, it's 1027. God, I have never gone, I don't need to take a break. Or maybe this is when I'm supposed to break, but I've never done it. I think, yeah, mathematically, I think it this is, is when is you're supposed really? to take the break. Yeah, because the first time three ever. minutes, and then you come back at really? and you come back at 30. See, this is what happens when you actually are, are playing a role in a morning drive program here. Well, explain to Jackson. one hour, there's kind of like, I knew whatever. I explained to Jackson yesterday, I go, Jackson. I always go 1032, I guess. It's time for a break. So I'm actually already five minutes late. Is I was like, right? Jackson, I, I feel like I'm Took doing me it 20, wrong. 21 months to figure it out. Because I noticed, I'm like, you guys get through maybe four, six shooters. I go, the two times I've done it with well, Tim, I go, we get through me. all six. Yeah, I, I, that's me. Okay. It's, it's, I'm, I'm the problem. Well, now, no, I, I, got, I, can't, I can't say that publicly. Our mics are off, right? But I'm the problem. Where the cameras are still on. No! <laughs> Say it ain't so. Uh, we'll take a break at the right time for the first time in this show's history. Who knew? Uh, this is Balloon Party, driven by Mungan St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're right.
right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Well, you're right, Matt. Scotty Scheffler just rolled in about a seven-footer on 17 and fist-pumped it the whole time as the United States goes up one in that match heading to the 18th, and he is screaming at the European fans and maybe even use profanity. Scotty Scheffler? Oh, you better believe it, brother. Here comes the United States. Uh, U.S. leading uh, one up in that match, two up in the match with uh, Justin Rose and Robert McIntyre going up against uh, Max Homa uh, in this, uh, and they're tied. Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth on the 18th as the U.S. lost all four matches to open up the Ryder Cup. This is live in Italy uh, and on the USA Network. So there you go. Xander Shoffley missed a three-footer that would have given the U.S. the win against McElroy and uh, Fitzpatrick in a match they were down six through seven holes. Sweet mother of mercy. Matt, we got a great text. You, you asked that question on uh, what you would go to if you had tickets for Missouri and Kansas or the MLS Cup because they, they're they falling on the same day, December 9th. Most people are going with the MLS Cup. As a matter of fact, I don't know if I saw any Missouri-Kansas in the uh, Air Comfort Service text line. Post-Dispatch columnist Benjamin Hockman is listening to the program, and he says 100 times out of 100, and he's a Missouri guy, you go to the MLS championship game in St. Louis over Kansas-Missouri basketball game. 100%. So there you go. It's a special moment, but it's it's not a championship. And again, it's not a championship with the caveats of expansion. Casual soccer fan or city fan and you're a huge Missouri fan, then you're going to Missouri. You see what I'm saying? But you got to find the the person who's in the category of being both. Now, how about this anecdote? Um... This, this comes from somebody who sent in the text about the Rams and the Dome experience. My first Rams game was the first playoff game against Minnesota. A classic, for the record. January uh, of 2000. I was 12. We were in the 400s, like five, six rows up, and were told to sit down by an usher. My stepdad asked the usher why we had to sit and pointed out it was the first Rams playoff game. They threatened to kick us out without a voice being raised or any sign of escalation. So we sat down and watched the game, and he refused to ever go to another game. That is from the 314. How about that? Fun fact for no one to tell. Well, so people know what I'm talking about when I talk about the, the knitting circle. I just thought the knitting circle was more lower bowl oriented. Uh, no, no, no. They were, they, they were they'd, they'd get you in the three they'd get you in the three hundreds and four hundreds every time. Oh, no doubt oh, about they it. They got you everywhere then. Uh, all right, uh Matt, we have question three of today's Little Piddles, Angry Beaver Six Shooter, Jackson out, Matt Rocchio filling in. Here we go. Question three. Uh, I'm not. I, I wanted to, but I'm not going to be able to avoid any Cardinals because I because I, 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 I love the thought yeah, process. Wayne Wright's final weekend. Well, I was going to go with a little bit less positive. Uh, oh, okay. Hey, Sorry I'm, about I'm, it. I'm fine um, with positivity. I'm fine with negativity. We just we, hey, whatever it is, we're going to say what we think. It might not be popular. That's fine. What do we got? Bradford Doolittle put out his list of all all the playoff teams. What's the big question from them from from a from a ba- a down season? And his Cardinals one I thought was interesting. He just hit hit it with what happened. And I'm going to just read a quick little blurb here. The Cardinals 
Cardinals' historic level flop this season has St. Louis fans feeling indignant, and they haven't been shy about expressing it. Sure, you can tactfully suggest that Redbird Nation is a wee bit entitled, but if that's the case, you can understand why. I'm going to skip down here. The pitching was the most obvious area of decline, but the offense and fielding were both worse as well. It was really an all-systems failure. All of that is the what, though, and the crucial aspect of figuring out is the why. Otherwise, this season might just have been the start of an unwelcome trend in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a very good description, and I want to bring the the both questions of why he asked there, why it happened, why are St. Louis fans mad, and, and it comes down to one thing for me, which is a lack of foresight and planning from the front office. And if that's going to be what gets you here, how are you going to get out of it with the exact same group? We know oh, it's well. we know it's going to be that's, that's, essentially that's the exact same group. So my question to you is, is there a light at the tunnel? Do you have a light at the tunnel from your perspective? Or until something big happens, whether it be a big move from this group or a move inside of the group of people making the decisions, until any of those things happen, is there a light for you at the end of the tunnel? Uh, yeah, there is. It's just it's it's not next year, most likely. Of course, it can have like the Cincinnati Reds could theoretically, the San Diego Padres still theoretically could win the World Series because they aren't mathematically eliminated. So even though it's quite nerdy, I speak more often in, in probabilities. And I just look at the current Cardinal pitching situation as such a stretch to get back to being championship level that it strikes me as misguided, number one, to rest uh, going into this season. But but talking about going next year and returning to contention, yeah, of course they can. But look what they have right now. I mean, the guys that I gather they're giving spots to when they talk about needing to get three pitchers are Miles Michaelis and Steven Matz. I mean, how much excitement does that that garner? If, I suppose if Matz is the guy who he was for three weeks before getting hurt, as opposed to the guy he had been before that, great. And if Miles Michaelis returns to his previous form, then great. And if they can acquire, take your pick of whatever big-time free agent, or there is a monster trade for pitching, it just strikes me as it's going to be really difficult. Can it happen? Of course it can happen. That is why, personally, as a fan of teams, I like what the Blues did, which was they just pulled the plug. Now... Of course, they kind of had to do it. It was a different set of circumstances because all these guys were free agents. But sometimes you actually get closer to a championship by taking a step back than you do by holding serve. And I feel like the Cardinals held serve. Now, with that said, there's two things that I think we don't know anytime we have this conversation. Number one, how material to the Cardinal business plan going into this season was the television situation. And I don't know. Um, And did Paul Goldschmidt say, I will not waive my no trade clause? If the television situation had zero impact, and so now we're going into hypotheticals, but if the television situation had no impact, then what they did this past offseason is indefensible. I have, I I, I still, the the, the thing that's not even baseball related to me is identifying catcher is is the top priority. I just, for the life of me, I don't understand that. I know I talk about it. I feel like damn near every day. But I just don't get it. There isn't like a Yachty or Molina replacement out there. And why did that have to be the move? I just don't get it. Um, especially when you have the question marks at pitching that you had. I just, for the life of me, I don't get it. I feel like it's it's not, it wasn't just a fatal flaw for the 2023 season because then they didn't go out and get any pitching. 
but it also can have an impact for years to come. And that's the lens through which I, I view it. That's not a financial thing. That's a baseball decision thing. A financial thing we are not privy to. And maybe some people are on on the inside word on that. But the baseball decision on that was so surprising to me. And then if Goldschmidt said, I'm not leaving, and you know he's got a family and he might not want to move and he might have every intention of staying here for another couple of years after this contract expires and the Cardinals want to do it, which I'm not sure would be the right move, um, but uh, then, okay, then you couldn't move him at the deadline. But they're not close, and unless they bring in a minimum of two ace-caliber pitchers, I just don't see how they're back in the spot where they're competing for a championship. That's where I'm coming from on the Cardinals. Is, uh, you said ace-caliber pitchers, is Sonny Gray an ace-caliber pitcher? Can be, has been, can be, um, but he can't be the only move. And that's what I'm talking about. It's not like you're going, okay, you got, you got, you still got, take your pick. I mean, let's go back to like 2022 just for the sake of the conversation. And who did they go with? You know, they went with Quintana and Michaelis. Wainwright didn't pitch. Um, Jordan Montgomery was still a part of it then. If Montgomery came back in addition to a free agent, I still think one of the pitchers has kind of come through a trade. It strikes me as obvious. It's just a matter of which organization they're doing business with. Mariners strike me as a as a real possibility. Uh, and then you'll see Seattle's appetite, depending on how things finish off for them with the wild card and if they are in the postseason. Um I just, I just don't, I don't get it. But then at the same time, if they're sitting there going, we can't be aggressive because we don't know what the hell's going to happen with our television deal. At the same time, if that were the case, I don't know why they wouldn't say that. You know, I don't know why they wouldn't talk about that because I think people, most people could understand it. You're still going to have the people go, well, he's a billionaire, so he still should spend then, you know, that, but that's fine. You know, Cardinals seem overall like wary of transparency on like most things. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I just. I mean, that that's a huge thing. It's sixty million dollars, and if you have one hundred eighty million dollar payroll, that's a third of the payroll. I mean, it's it counts again. No matter what they do, television wise, they're not going to go down to zero on the revenue front. But if it costs them twenty million, it it that counts. That's a sixteen percent of your payroll reduction. So, I look at it and I wonder um, how much that impacted it. But either way, we do have one thing that was a baseball decision. And for the life of me, I don't understand why. Like, Listen, if you're going, okay, we really like Contreras and we think he can be a huge asset because we take a spot in our lineup, which was, you know, a negative offensively and replace it with a great bat. Let's do that. But I just don't know how that can be your only move. And, uh, and that's what they did. And that's why fans going into the season were questioning it. And then when they see the pitching falter, and then you waste a year of Arenado and one of the final years of Goldschmidt, and you go, what the hell are you doing? And see, it, also for me, it like the planning thing that I that I got that I mentioned off the bat, it just it seemed like a half measure for a team trying to change. And I think we kind of got that this year at the, at the trade deadline when, when everything was, well, we need to get more strikeout pitching. And then as soon as the trades happened, it was, well, we got a lot of guys who, you know, are, are still kind of that, you know, not really a swing and miss guy, still kind of, you know, craftier pitchers. And it's like, okay, well, you just talked about how you need swing and miss, and then you weren't able to acquire it. And you, you make the Contreras move, and you know now, okay, we're not going to be as good of a defensive team, but then you still lean on a pitching staff that needs a good defense, and you have other holes on your roster, on your lineup that create problems defensively, and that then exacerbates the issue. So it just it seemed like a half measure, and it seems like the Cardinals now are stuck in this limbo where they don't know which way they want to go, and that that leads them going little bits 
each way, and that's never going to do well. Half measures are always going to get you screwed in, in professional sports because there's 10 teams out there going all the way in one direction 100%. And I just don't I don't think the Cardinals have decided whether when it comes to the lineup, do they want to go more defense heavy or are they going full out offense? Cuz looking forward to next year, I think there's still questions about what are you doing in the outfield? What are you doing at second base long term? And I think, you know, if you're going to keep Contreras, can you be a plus defensive team with him and Nolan Gorman on this team next year? And I don't think they've answered any of those questions this season. That's why the next 3 months will be absolutely critical for this franchise. Uh, Matt Rocchio, Tim McKernan with you to the top of the hour. BK and Ferrario follow. We'll take a commercial break. Come back with our final segment of Balloon Party driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. This is the final segment of Balloon Party for Friday, September 29th, 2023. Tim McKernan with Matt Rocchio filling in for the vacationing Jackson Burkett. Sweet mother of mercy, Matt, during the commercial break. A match that came down to the 18th hole. Victor Hovland and uh, Tyrrell Hatton going up against Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas. The United States shut out 4-0 in the early morning matches in Rome at the Ryder Cup. And Hovland sinks, I would say, a 15 to 18 footer uphill left to right putt. And that put the action on Thomas. He had to make about a four footer. He did. They have the match. The United States currently trailing five and a half to a half with two matches still out on the golf course. What a putt by Victor Hovland. Uh, he is uh, undefeated so far in the 2023 Ryder Cup. Meanwhile, Xander Shoffley just conceded his match with Colin Morikawa against Roy McIlroy uh, and Matt Fitzpatrick. And so McIlroy undefeated as well. Xander Shoffley, not impressive to start his Ryder Cup. He is 0-2. So there is an update from Rome for those of you monitoring the Ryder Cup, but everybody is monitoring the Little Piddles Angry Beaver Friday six-shooter with Matt Rocchio filling in for a boy named Piddles. Question four. Well, there was a little bit of an announcement coming from Columbia, Missouri earlier today because white pants, white jerseys, yellow helmets for the Tigers and the injury report a little bit overpopulated I would say yeah. with Brady with Brady Cook Luther Burden Makai Miller will not be making the trip uh, the cornerbacks still very much an injured position group right now with three still on the on the group as questionable Mizzou minus 13 and a half against Vanderbilt does the injury report have you a little worried uh, about the Tigers versus the Commodores. I, if you're a, if a Missouri football fan, you you never take a game for granted. I guess maybe it took South Dakota for granted. That's about okay. as, as close as it can come. But Middle Tennessee, I didn't take that for granted. I was still surprised by how close it was, but I didn't take it for granted. Uh, I don't take it for granted. It's a road game in the SEC. You certainly should win it. If you lose it, all hell breaks loose. But as a fan, it's just where I am for the purpose of being honest. I can tell you that. Uh, I like to give the people the uh, the Las Vegas numbers. And, oh, it's interesting, Matt, since I gave this number out on TMA about two hours ago, it has moved oh. precipitously, too. Uh, 66% of the bets are on Missouri, and the number is 13.5, Missouri minus 13.5. Uh, 34% of the bets, therefore, on, on Vanderbilt. 92% of the money was on Missouri. 
but since talking about this on TMA at around 8.30 this morning, uh, a lot of money has moved over to Vanderbilt because now it's only 83% of the uh, dollars are on Missouri. So someone came in or some people came in and threw some money on Vanderbilt, and I would gather that those are people who saw the injury report. So, yeah, it, it, yeah, it absolutely does. It's It's one of those things that because... In particular, non-quarterbacks or wide receivers or the occasional running back in college football are not household names. If you have injuries to your offensive line or your secondary in particular, those two positions that can really impact uh, those two units, but they're not household names, I think they get overlooked in college football. And with Missouri's performance so far defensively on third down, certainly it's been an issue on offense as well, it's something to keep an eye on. And... uh I'm surprised. I was surprised to see that discrepancy with so much of the money on Missouri. Listen, could I see him beating Vanderbilt by more than two touchdowns? Of course I could. But could I see that being a battle tomorrow? I, I really could. I'm not just saying that to like talk myself uh, out of being worried. So um, it's and the main reason is because of the the questions in the secondary on the injuries. My guess is you're going to see Brady Cook and Luther Burden, but uh, how healthy are they? And are they going to be looking to really run this thing up um, when they have LSU the following week, which is a game that, you know, if you are in this position where you're up two touchdowns, you're not going, let's keep the guys out there. Let's get them off the field and, and stay healthy and get the win and get out of here. That's got to be the mindset. Absolutely. But me, see, you, great, great concrete football knowledge there, Tim. Oh, wow. But I'm going to Thank go with you. a little superstition, which is... Oh, I see. Uh, a few hours after the update to the injury report where everyone was still listed as questionable, I was reminded about the 2019 Missouri Tigers and their loss to Vanderbilt. To Vanderbilt. That, that probably ended and Barry fact, Odom's time in Columbia, even though he still coached and was on the uh, staff through the Arkansas game. And the fact that that week they debuted at 22 in the rankings. Well, fun facts for no one <laughs> and I was like, I was like, cool, I hate this stuff. And then they come out with the double white and the yellow helmet, and now I'm crestfallen. I'm, I'm down. You're, the uniforms have you. The uniforms have me completely because, I mean, listen, recruiting, fine, but I, I, need, I, need, I need tangible on-the-field production, mm-hmm. and you're not going to get it with with a yellow helmet and and white on white. So you are down, down on the, the uh, stormtrooper with the yellow helmet look. Um, I love the all stormtrooper look. Go with the white helmet. Why not? Right. Why? 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 Does, why, why ruin the look with the yellow helmet? Yeah. It's, it's got me down. Well, I understand. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about, about uniforms. Jackson's passionate about uniforms. You're passionate about uniforms. My biggest criticism at the moment in my biggest campaign are the Cardinals returning to the Navy caps on the road. How, how uh, is that not a bigger thing? I, by uh, the way, I, I asked Randy Carricker this because I know that's your big thing, and I believe he would be the vice president of your campaign. Oh, there. he's on board with the Navy cap. I believe he's on board. Nice. Uh, yes, because and you're absolutely right. Every time somebody puts out a photo, it's like, yeah, it just it looks better. The uh, the football uniform thing, I've I've written it off. We had Jeremy Macklin in studio a couple years ago on TMA, and Doug, you I think you were in studio that for that was, actually, yeah. That was yeah. Hilarious. And uh, it, Doug was adamant on the uniform thing, and then Jeremy Macklin was just like, you could tell he was just like flabbergasted. It's like, man, this is what a lot of kids care about, though. These uniforms, Oregon did it, and Missouri did, it, and then Doug went on and on, and Jeremy Macklin, and then I felt like he kind of subtweeted Doug later in the day. He went Tavon Austin, and. Uh, Said, man, some people just don't understand. <laughs> That's all he wrote, or something like that. I'm like, hey, is that Wait, a reference to his appearance on the show? Hold on a second. But if you have 92 different uniform combinations, are you doing it for the clicks? Or are you doing it for the wins? I think they're doing it because of the Nike contract. To be real straightforward. <laughs> 
But, uh, and I understand that. Hey, man, business is business. But uh, I just, I I don't understand. I remember the late, great Brian Burwell and Joe Strauss saying, if you're getting a kid because he likes your uniforms, is that really a kid you want? But you know what? Hey, what's important to somebody who's 17 or 18 is certainly different than what's important to me. And God bless them. If that that seems to work, I don't really think it has worked since they switched the uniforms up. But... But whatever. So that's that's the tale we hear told. Hey, uh, you you pride yourself on getting all six questions in. Oh, well. I don't know if we're gonna be able to do it no, today. It's ten fifty eight. I don't think so. Clark, I, I, I just check. will say though one one thing. Go search out and find the Travis Hunter video. Um, oh, I did. I watched. That it. was with, incredible. With the uh, with the Hank uh, Blackburn, is yes, that right? Hank the Blackburn, kid from yes. Colorado State who yeah. hit him who was so great. And you can just that's tell amazing. Travis Hunter, the wide receiver slash corner on Colorado, who's out, and he had a lacerated liver. That was the injury. Holy crap considered perhaps the best football player in the country. They didn't have him last week against Oregon. They won't have him this week against USC. And you can just tell, that was that was so genuine. Mm. You know, that wasn't like, oh, let's do this for clicks. Travis Hunter is just like a happy, kind guy. And I, and I also don't think he did it necessarily because Hank Blackburn and his family were catching hell. I mean, they were getting death threats. Yep. Um, he just felt like it was the right thing to do, and he wanted to show people he's cool. I could, I watched that whole video. They went bowling, they talked it over, but it wasn't like this manipulative recruiting thing, like Brian Kelly grinding on a recruit. <laughs> you know, I love it. That will never be forgotten. Thank you so much for keeping that alive. We got a T-shirt for next week, anyway. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yep. Can I please get one. Uh, yeah, yeah. available. TMSTLShop.com. Yes. Go into it. Uh, John Rom just drills a putt on 18 from about 25 oh, feet God. to have that match. And so the United States looked like they were going to potentially get out of this day 5-3. Now they will be fortunate to be at 6.5, 1.5 with more heroics from Team Europe on number 18. I mean, you got to be kidding me. Unbelievable. This has been something else. This thing might be over by tomorrow. What a mess. All right, uh, time for us to shut it down. Matt, thank you so much, as always, for filling in. Thank you for having me. And, of course, and uh, Jackson and I will be back on Monday. Matt will be back on the opening drive on Monday with Randy Carricker, Brooke Grimsley, and Carrie Davis. Coming up next, it's BK and Ferrario for Matt Rocchio, filling in for Jackson Burkett. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Munganess St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.